right, everybody, welcome on into Tomes. Uh, today, I am joined once again with my best friend and fellow co-host, Cody. Hi, guys. And as we like to do, as we kick off every one of these podcast episodes, let's cover some announcements. <laughs> Woohoo! All right, so first one, at least in the fantasy community, Lost Metal has released. Huzzah! And it's I've been listening to it, and it's been really good so far. It's great story. Love it. I'm not going to give any spoilers. Just I highly recommend it. Yeah, I am. And other news. <laughs> The Amazon did something that I'm very unhappy with. Oh, what did they do? Sure, a lot of people already heard about this, but I got a news alert on the 15th, and it said that there's a release date for The Doors of Stone of November 15th. I was like, what? And so I go and I look, and sure enough, they had a placeholder, and it wasn't the date. It's not being released, and a lot of people are very unhappy. (laughs) but they do this all the time and it should be expected by now (laughs) at this point it's more like it's a red herring they're like we gotta rope them in (laughs) all right they're starting to walk away we gotta hook them we gotta hook them (laughs) so bad (laughs) i was like i have a new credit i can get it let's do this (laughs) but no that's okay that's okay. <laughs> I'm... Other, any other announcements? Uh, other than those, yeah, Pokemon release, because that's what you've been playing. Yep, the new Scarlet Violet. Um, so I got Violet myself, and it's been a blast. Mwah. You guys will hear my youngest in the background, just chatty, chatty, chatty. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, it's been really great. Not very far into it yet, but really enjoying it. If you want to see a really cool playthrough, though, check out Boxy or I am Jaden Animations. Both of them are streaming on YouTube right now. Pretty awesome. All right. That's awesome. So let's see here. Any other announcements? Uh, my NaNoWriMo update. Uh, currently, uh, I am sitting at 30,468 words out of 50,000. So I'm over the halfway mark. Where'd it go? Uh, yeah. Last night I did two thousand twenty-five words. Yeah. I say this week I, I've been. I, I admit I haven't been doing like the greatest, but I've I've been on top of it. Last night I was like, all right, I'm in the zone. Nice. And, and I find it easier for me to write action sequences. That's why I was able to write two thousand words. <laughs> Dang. Uh, I'm just impressed. Yeah. No. Again, whether or not it's actually good. Goodly written is another debate, but <laughs> <laughs> but no, nah, there's just a lot of stuff that I've been learning as I go through it. And this is where for me, uh, again, you have your main characters and then you have your side characters and then you have your kind of little known characters. And honestly, I think I have been neglecting those little characters and they and that so that was something I was beginning to change as. Because I had one character just kind of like, oh, yeah, no, he's he's the guard. He's just standing there. He's he's just doing his job. And then as time goes on, I'm like, you know what? They're, he's interacting with the main character more. He he needs a little bit. He needs to be a little bit more in depth. And as I got through, I'm just like, oh, dang. OK, now this 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 makes the story move faster. This not faster, but makes the story move forward in a better way. It gives another perspective. It really pushes the story along and helps feel in the world that we don't know yet we don't we haven't hasn't been talked about 
So it's just really cool to finally be able to see the importance of of characters and their backstories on how they influence everything. Because it was seriously, that was what was that really helped me get over some of this hump is because I'm like, you know what? I really haven't talked about these characters. I haven't talked about what's going on in the background here. I haven't talked about kind of the inner politics or inner issues that these guys are having. And now this kind of, I'm going to say prop NPC, I'm now like, okay, I'm pushing him forward and up the list to where it's close to a B now because it just creates an extra level of intrigue. Like, uh, like for me, my, my example would be like Teft. Like think of like bridge four. Okay. Teft, old season veteran, <clears throat> doesn't really make a lot of noise, hardly kind of there. And same with Moash. Moash in the beginning of when we first in, get introduced to Bridge Four, a lot of these guys again were like Kaladin's like, no, not gonna, not gonna mess with anybody. But then as he goes through and meets him, you're like, oh dang, these other characters have depth. This really makes it helps you feel a part of a team or feel part of the world. Yeah. And so it's just really cool to kind of see and witness it. And then I'm like, oh, and I'm, I'm also seeing some growth in my magic system that I was not planning. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So overall, it's like as you move forward, it's really cool to actually see how the world grows, how the world shapes. And it's just it's a fun experience. It is. It, it really is. And that's one of the things I really want to do when, with uh, my own story is building up all those side characters in a way that the world feels alive and mm. just it like you said it progresses the story it builds all these side people in that have depth and it just makes us much more enjoyable experience oh yeah and it just really does br- it does breathe more life into the world to where i was like oh no these chapters i was like these ones are supposed to be kind of fun interesting but they're kind of boring and so I was like, oh, okay, maybe this character that I was like, okay, he was a C C level character. I was like, nah, nah, he, he doesn't really kind of have that depth that I need. But this guy, why is this guy here? And then I came up with the reason why. I was like, ah, now he's got depth. This is fun now. <laughs> nice. So, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's just, it's, again, really cool. So honestly, this is where I'm like, I'm really pr- happy I decided to do the NaNoWriMo challenge. Just because it's really given me a greater appreciation and sight into storytelling. And actually, one of the cool things uh, I've been doing this week is actually me and Megan were rewatching Bakuman. Oh, yeah. I'm rewatching it. She's watching it for her first time. Yeah. And actually, one of the cool things that going back through were to the point where he they do their first submission to where they're just trying to get on basically Shonen Jump's radar with yeah. Jack. And I remember the one criticism he gave them in regards to kind of the storytelling where again, manga, the way you would write a manga is different than you would a novel yes. because a lot of what he's doing, like what it was as he's describing the two earths, it is very much exposition heavy Yeah. as he's just like having that explain. And I'm like, I get it. I get it now because the writer's mantra is show don't tell. So anything that's actually had to deal with some of the magic system or anything like that, I really haven't been like saying, Oh, it's because this, 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 and this I've been letting the characters explain it. Yeah. Instead of me as the author trying to explain everything yeah. just because it, it really helps. And for me, that's what creates most of the dialogue for me is, is these characters that now trying to explain a concept to somebody else 
Like, actually, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit my, about my magic system and how it's changed. Because originally, I was like, I told you, like, natural order, chaos order. Don't get wrong, that's still there. But now, like, I've been able to develop the natural order a lot better. Okay. To where, uh, basically, there's two ways you tap into the magic. Uh, way number one, I say it's, uh, I call it the, call it a burst. Okay. It's, you gather in the magical energy that is around you, then you're able to focus it, and then... For them, I have them saying like a magic word and then boom, it will happen. But it does actually physically tax them to do this. I'll say all these things will be physically taxing. So that's where for me is like the natural order is going to be more like more like the physical, the physical reper repercussions. Okay. So but now the second way you can cast it is I call it having an art, a magic connection. You're able to make a connection with your body to allow the flow of magic go in through you uh, into a steady stream. So, like, for instance, a burst magic spell would be, using D&D here, since that's going to be our topic for the day, would yeah. be like Fireball. Okay. You're gathering in the magical energy, gathering it to a single point, pointing, shooting, and <laughs> big giant explosion. Nice. Okay. Uh, one of... Several magic connections that I've made in this game, not in this game, in my story. One has been uh, Night Vision. Okay. He's able to tap into magical energy, puts what I call anchors into his into his head right behind his eyes. And boom, he's able to have night vision. He's able to make a connection into his circulatory system where he's able to woo, buff out a little bit. He's able to run longer distances. But... This is where, again, still going to be physical repercussions. Whereas the magical burst is like you ran a hundred meter sprint as fast as you could. The magical connection is more like you ran a marathon. It is It is a steady stream of magic being poured into your system. And once it leaves it, your body is having to kind of detox and get back to normal. So it's going to be some type of physical re repercussion that's happening inside. And this has made some of my magical combat a lot more interesting and a lot more intriguing. Okay, because if they cast a spell or do those things, as soon as it's done, they're done. And so they have to be very cautious with what spells they're going to cast and what they're going to do. Exactly. To where, actually, don't get wrong, this is where I, I have made my character a little OP a little bit, but he actually went up against a full-blooded spellcaster who's gone through like the Magic Academy who actually doesn't need to use magic words. And like the dude was able to pwn him, but the, and able to sustain it for a longer time because he's had the training. He's had everything that's needed. Whereas in character Ace, and he's just like, oh, okay, <sighs> not only this and everything on top of it, like it, it, it's reasonable why he, he would lose. Like just even having that again, this is where I was saying like my, the system itself in mine is definitely a softer system, but that where the harder side comes through it is it comes through the physical people and their relationships with the magical system. Yeah. Which for me, I was just like, this has made it a lot more interesting because as I said, it was evolving. Originally I was going to say, oh, yep, it's going to be magic words all the time. I was like, eh, that, that I'm going to be having like an entire dictionary of just magic spells. And the way I even rigged it is not everybody has the same magic words. Okay. Because for them, it's what they use to make that connection. Okay. Like, for instance, uh, this is where we're going to go into language for a sec. 
for us, the word fire is fire, flame, flame. What would it be in, what would it be in Russian? Uh, now. Uh, give me a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless, it would be a different word in another language. Yeah, I haven't even, I know this word. I think, but... <laughs> Dude, I, I feel the same way with Japanese. I'm like, oh, what is it? I want to say it's like kachi or something. I can't remember. Ogon is fire. Ogon, okay. So. Flame is plamia. Oh, okay, cool. Learning a little bit of Russian, folks. <laughs> uh, so for them, it's, but again, different words, but same concept. Yeah. Same idea. So that's what it is. What I try to rig my system with is like one magic word for one person could be different from another person because the way they associate that connection could be different. Almost like training a dog. You teach it the command words. Exactly. Whichever command words you teach it. Mm-hmm. You could teach him sit, and he instead he lays down. You could say lay, he sits. Like, it, so it's very much more on like how they make that magical connection. So that's where some of them have different words for spell casting. Actually, I'm gonna say I can give you one of them because this is also a spell. Another connection spell. It's they form a telepathic connection, so that way they can speak into each other's minds. Okay. For Asin, it's uh, a. <laughs> I, I thought it was funny with it. Is rinksu. Okay. Uh, for uh, Rem, it's kintect. Okay. I don't uh, know those. Reason why I'm laughing is because uh, telepathic connection, telepathic link, rink. Uh, <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> I, I was thinking sort of online of rinka starto. <laughs> 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 that's funny and then for rem again telepathic connection contact connection so that that was very much more like telepathic link telepathic connection it's the same thing two different words that's why it's done like this gotcha so so this is I, where it's been fun. <laughs> I have a question for you I have two okay. questions. First, is there common words for specific spells, like things that are typically around it? Not yet. <laughs> okay. There, so, okay, go ahead. I was going to say, there uh, there are going to be, like, uh, I'm trying, I think, I, I just haven't really come up with those spells yet, because everything that's been happening has been a specific instance. Okay. I just have the thought that I guarantee in a system like that where everyone has their own unique one, but it would focus around it. So like someone wants to cast fire, they're going to say something fire associated. Yeah. That there's going to be that one person who goes water and sends out a fireball. <laughs> oh no, no, actually. Oh, actually I might just, I might keep it this way. So that way. And so that way someone could do that. <laughs> I think that hilarious. I think that actually, no, that'd be a great character idea. And, yeah. And doing it's, it, <laughs> do it. And I wasn't meaning like there's a set word for it, but like these, just because of the concept of it, it's typically formed around that, and so okay. everyone has similar words just because that's what they associate with it. There's common associations with words. <laughs> so that's the reason. So psycho like said pancakes. <laughs> I don't remember pancakes anymore. You don't? Because no. I just lost the game. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley, I lost the 
game. She's flipping me off. <laughs> so no, that's why I said pancakes is because in high right. school, in high school, the way we got around the game was like whenever someone said, I lost the game. We're like pancakes versus pancakes. <laughs> but it kind of created the reverse. So whenever we thought of pancakes, like, dang it, we lost the game. Yeah. Uh, I still loved my time bomb for Alec. <laughs> What was your time bomb? I remember something about this, but it's been a long time. Okay, so real, real quick recap, because this is just a funny story. Uh, while we were at college, I was... So BYUI has a two-track system. Uh, so there's one semester you will always be off. For me, I was on the fall spring track. So during the winter time, aka, like, uh, what is it? January through March? April. April? Yeah. yeah. January through uh, the first week in April. Yeah. Uh, I was off. I was, I'm technically not enrolled in school, but I was already living up in Rexbury. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take a job. So I actually took a job at the BYU food court. Okay. And so Alec was coming back from class. He would stop every now and then we we kind of catch up. He got a burrito and actually on the inside of the lid, I wrote the game, (laughs) closed it, handed it to him. And then I got, then when I came home, he's like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I was so like, you got my message? Funny. So funny. <laughs> oh, man. Poor Alec. We did so many things to him. Oh, uh, we did. At but, least you yours know. was just funny. Mine was cruel. <laughs> so I have to share this story. I wish he was here so he could talk about it. But we'll um, bring it up yeah. with the next time. But... We went to Buffalo Wild Wings. Do you remember this, Austin? They, I, I'm having a tough time. Tell, tell the story. Okay, so we went to B-Dubs, and I have a personal love for things that are very spicy, especially their mango habanero wings. And so I got two orders of wings, one mango habanero, one of them was the sweet Asian zing or something like that. And, Asian zing, yeah. Yeah. I am. And so I had that, and I had half of each, and he came back. Panda can't handle the heat. And he's told us that well in advance. And so I came back. I said, oh, here's the Asian zing. And it was the mango habanero. And he murdered me. (laughs) He knew there was something up. But he did it anyways because he's a good sport. Like, this is where, again, Alec is the nicest person. And he is the... This is what makes it fun is if we... Again, when we pulled like little pranks like that on him, oh, he would flip out in like the best way where it, it made it fun. It did. He just knew we still he felt, <laughs> Yeah, we still felt bad. Don't get me wrong. It, I did, although I did not feel bad about the game thing. That one, I was like, it was oh, kind no, of a war in the apartment. Yeah. Like, our, yeah, that entire, yeah, that entire semester, we were obsessed with the game. <laughs> <laughs> we're just trying to relive middle school for whatever reason. Yeah, well, whatever. We're all. <laughs> We're all 12-year-olds at heart, exactly. one way or another. Exactly. We just all suppress it in different ways. <laughs> <laughs> but, all right, other than that, is there anything else you want to share? Anything else going on? Um, No, I think that's a... Oh, I guess one other thing, uh, a shameless self-plug. I've started playing DMZ, the new Warzone 2.0. It's kind of a cross between Call of Duty and uh, Escape from Tarkov. Oh, very, okay. Very vaguely. It's much more like Call of Duty than Tarkov. It just has the formula that Tarkov has. Okay. Um, but I am going to be releasing a bunch of videos about that on my other YouTube channel of Shade Raven. Cool. So 
Shameless plug. That's all good. <laughs> this entire show is a shameless plug. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but yeah, other than that, I think we should get started. I am all so right. Today we're going to be talking about DMing and Dungeons and Dragons in general. What makes good DMs, bad DMs, good players, bad players, the whole shebang. Yeah, so to start it all off, it comes down to like the main question that everybody asks. Everybody asks themselves, what makes a good DM? Is it the voices they do? Is it the world they built? Is it their mad improv skills? Is it uh, their ability to plan so far ahead they're able to anticipate every single one of their players' actions? Is it the fact that they know all the rules backwards, forwards, and sideways? And to me, I'd say it's all these things and also none of them. And this is where I'm going to say at the end of the day, though, what makes a good DM a good DM is if his players or his or her players are having fun. Because that's what it is all about at the end of the day is having a good time, having fun. And everybody has and every single group has a different play style. They do. I So I did this one shot and i did two different versions of it and the two groups did it completely different but they both had a blast doing it and just in that way where some people want to go through and just kill everything in sight other people want to find all the mysteries and they want to talk to the things and figure out a different way other than killing <laughs> yep yep oh that that was almost a year ago we did that, that we was, did that one shot it might have been over that <laughs> no it was on my birthday oh you're right it was your birthday one, huh? It was my birthday one shot. Wow. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it was actually yeah, first time me and Megan played D&D together. <laughs> oh, hopefully that one was fun. It was Anyways. a lot of fun. Very <laughs> <laughs> good time. Going. Keep going. But yeah, no, no, no. Again, and this is where, honestly, this is where I'm going to just say this. When it comes to being a DM, you need to be able to do a little bit of everything. You need to be able to improv. You need to be able to plan ahead because I think this is my personal DM style is I will prepare basically a main storyline for my players who are very much like they're hooked into the story, but I'm going to leave it, uh, excuse me, I'm going to leave it open for them to come across that like plot hook. I don't want, because uh, again, this is something I learned when we were doing my first d my first ever campaign, the Star Wars campaign, yeah. is I felt like I was railroading you guys so hard. <laughs> you were. And I was. <laughs> I, like, looking back, I was like, oh, dang. Like, I, they're like, you. Ha- I was very much, you have to go with the story I created. Which, and Which as I've got. It works. It, honestly, for starting off, it's not too bad. Like, I feel like. I was able to flush everything out. I felt like I had a good idea. I thought we were getting flow of it. And I feel like I still gave you guys some creative freedom. Actually, at the point, I was afraid that I gave you guys too much freedom because of a certain fight between Alec and uh, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> it was wonderful. I, I And that's where... And we'll get into what not to do as a player. Exactly. But main thing is that everybody has an evolution of being a DM. So I know for mine, my journey has been like, I went from hardcore railroading to I have a story in place, whether you actually do it or not is up to you. I want you to do it. I will nudge you towards it, but I'm not going to force you to do it. Yeah. 
I think for me, the way that I changed was when I first was DMing, is that I wanted to be in the world I created so much that I would have a DM PC. Yeah. And I was that DM. <laughs> and oh, I hate myself here. for it. <laughs> oh, no, dude. It was a thing where it was like I wanted to be in these worlds I created and be a part of it. But I found that it took away from the player's experience. Um, but I'll get into what not to do as a DM later. But <laughs> from there, I was able to progress. And I feel like I've been able to develop a lot of techniques just to allow the people to have, all the players to have the fun that they want to be able to, for you guys, like throw in little side stories and things of random orphans stealing your pocket change to. <laughs> <laughs> you guys taking over a pirate, like the, another group taking over a pirate ship, just whatever you want to do is just making it possible, but still making it seem cohesive. And that's really what I was striving for. I am. Mm. Um, and I, <laughs> yeah. So those are things that I, I feel like I did well and things I think DMs should do is give them the creativity to get to the destination or objective in the way they see it. Um, now, there's always times to do the story, and mm. especially dungeon crawls. If the group likes to do dungeon crawls, have it set up. But if they find alternate ways to solve the puzzle, do it. Yeah. And that's that's the big thing with not railroading, mm. is let them be creative. Let them find other ways to get through your obstacles. Create the obstacles. Don't create mm. a set one solution unless it <laughs> needs that, which there are times for that. Yeah, no, and actually, I think reflecting back on to the Star Wars campaign, at the very end, I I became I was letting you guys like to, I gave you guys the challenge, and you guys freaking overcoming it, in some of the weirdest and dumbest ways to freaking taking a Tie Fighter missile and making it a Christmas tree, <laughs> <laughs> which I still can't believe how well you rolled on that. That was insane. I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> Because it was like, what, two nat 20s in a row? It was. And I had the dice in front of everyone. I was not bluffing. We're just like, this is bull. <laughs> and I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> yup. Oh, man. I still remember that one of the times we were trying to break into a room, and I just placed charges all the way around the entire door of this, like, mm-hmm. really strong blast door. It just blew the tar out of it. <laughs> just like, hi, guys. <laughs> Like, hi. <laughs> so much fun. I'd say, and I think even since then, I've, I, we all kind of grow. Like, even yeah. with the most recent campaigns I've been, campaign I have been a part of, I've been very hands off. I've been like more on, like, I'm just more now describing what's going on and the actions. And I'm like, I literally just making people in the world to help it feel populated. Yeah. Because, sorry, when you got a group, like, as chaotic and fun as I had, <laughs> the story writes itself. <laughs> but really, though, and sometimes it's the best thing. Sometimes you yeah. don't need a big story. You just lay out a world and let them create one. Yeah, and this is where it's like, if anything in it, throw in side quests with the, its own story. Because, yeah, I did a side mission where they were basically <clears throat> helping a, basically a couple that went through a bad breakup and they are siding with one side of the party or the other. <laughs> oh no! And and so no, they're just they're pulling pranks. Like I'm gonna say, they were harmless. They are harmless. They're harmless pranks. Just it's ways that they would get under the other's skin. Yeah. 
So, like, the lady elf was like, okay, you know what? If he is going to... I, I'm hiring you guys so you can... I want you to thrash his forge and actually want you to just completely mess up his work his workstation. And they go in and it's already trashed up to where it's like, actually, we need to clean it instead because that's going to throw him off. <laughs> and what he does is he's just like, okay, you know what? If she's playing dirty, how about this? I'll double the pay she's giving you. And all you have to do is drop this in her in her study and get gives him a device. No. The device was a glitter bomb. Oh, yes. <laughs> it was a fairy fire glitter bomb. Oh, that's hilarious. Like, it, it was, it's just, I gave him that little stuff, and actually one of the characters was like, I'm going to try to hit on the elf. She's single now. <laughs> Which for me, I was plotting on them kind of reuniting at the end, because uh, it's like mutual hatred that, fight, like, for some reason works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. And that's where we left the last session. We still need to continue. And I have an evil plot twist. I'm so excited. <laughs> well, I'm excited to hear about that. Oh, yeah. If I, I'll tell you after the stream and you will and you can give me your opinion. <laughs> Sounds good. But nonetheless, at, being a DM, I'm going to say, I think it's one of the most selfless things someone can do for their entire group. Because it is putting forth plans, it's putting forth, and in one respect, yeah, you're excluding because I've done what you've done. I've made my own DMPCs. Hmm. Where I've now dropped them into where like, okay, you know what? I think they can't handle this task. They need a little bit more extra extra force to get her done. Yeah. And so for that one campaign, I have two extra characters helping them out. Yeah, and that can be good. It's when they're they are a part of the party. That's where uh, doing the DMPC is not a good thing. Yeah, it just makes combat take longer, and it makes the player it takes away from the players and their ability to go through things on their own. Mm -hmm. And it kind of gets to the point where it's metagaming to a higher degree. It does, and um, you can't. As much as you can try to separate yourself from the character, you can't. Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's just. Uh, uh, was it the Vox Machina? Uh, yeah, Critical Role. No, I. Uh, oh, sorry, Deuces Machina. It's just. Uh, what is that? Where it's just a convenience. Oh, okay, okay. The actual term. I think it's Vox Machina. Uh, Vox Machina, it's, again, that was the first campaign group of, oh, of Critical Role. Which... Yeah, but I thought that the actual, that was based on the Latin, meaning something. Nope, never mind. Uh, because I know in the audio industry world, uh, what they use, because again, on, because again, I'm pretty sure everybody has seen like the big giant audio console wow. where it's got the sliders the faders all yep. that kind of stuff it is Deusex machina yeah the vox machina idea came in because for vocals when Jeez. we abbreviate it it's vox gotcha so since they're all voice actors they're all vocals so they're all vox vox yeah so it's ds machina which essentially is an unexpected power event saving a seemingly hopeless situation i am 
So it's just a plot device people use to do that. And it's actually one that is talked about a lot with um, Sanderson talks about with his magic systems. Okay. Uh, if, like he would reveal a new power right at the moment to save people. Mm. And he's like, that's something you really shouldn't do because it's just a, the deus ex machina of it's there just to save everybody. And that type of thing. And he said there's times that it's not, but but yeah, so that's the entire point. The DMPC is just a deus ex machina, where it's just something conveniently placed there to get people out of the situation. Yeah. And while that can be needed at times, and it can be a good uh, at the end, like those specific, this one dungeon you have a, in there for this one fight you know is going to be extremely difficult. Uh, or something like that. But having a standard one, I don't think is the best. Yeah, it really needs to, like, if you're doing a DMPC, it needs to be kind of spaced out. Like, it needs to be kind of more like an event. Because thinking of my campaign in Vox Machina as well is with my campaign that I did actually with uh, with Jason from from college. Yeah. Uh, him and that Twitch group, they were quite literally facing an incoming army of werewolves. So it made sense for them to have some extra backup. Yeah. Because when an entire town is getting sieged by werewolves, <laughs> <laughs> there's going to be extra firepower. There's going to be other people fighting. There's going to be more more of that. Yes. So that makes sense. Compared to, and then with even Vox Machina, they have Gilmore pop in every now and then to help aid them in like the fight against Thordak, the Cinder King. Okay. It's just... When it comes into like, you know what, this is a big moment that is happening in the world and it's going to impact a lot of people, it makes sense to then bring in your NPCs to fight. Yes. If you're just trying to insert yourself into your own campaign, that is where it is a big no. Yeah, I agree with that. Yep. And then railroading it so that way everybody goes into said situation. That's also a big no. <laughs> yeah, that's one that... I don't like at all is where you get pushed into a situation just to do it. So like you find a way around it and then they put it in front of you anyways. Yeah. Um, like I'm as a DM, I understand that you have this plan, you have these things in place, but it doesn't mean that you take away the group's um, ability to overcome these things just to put in the stuff that you put hours of effort into. Yeah. Your job as a DM is to create challenges for your players to overcome. Not to, uh, how do I phrase it? Force them into problems that they must confront. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's always times where that can be hilarious. And if it, here's the thing that I've realized with DMing. There's mm -hmm. never and always. Yeah. So in all these situations, there is a time where you can do that, and it can be absolutely hilarious or very powerful. And so if you set it up right, it can be done good. I, but as a, these are just more general rules, things that make good or bad DMs. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, I think we've covered a good amount on DMs. <laughs> yeah. So now let's go to the player side. <laughs> <laughs> so the number one thing I think 
makes a good player is someone that is invested in their character. I mm-hmm. am. Um, and the reason I say that is because it, it doesn't mean that you have to come up with a voice for it or come up and do the roleplay side of it. It's the side of things where this person wants to be there. They want to just have fun. They're there to help everyone to have fun. I am not just themselves, but to make sure the DM's having fun. Because mm-hmm. that's something I think a lot of people don't pay attention to. Is that they, like, the DM should be having fun too. If they're not having fun, they get burnt out. They're not going to want to DM anymore. Yeah. And so I think a good player is someone that helps those around him or her to have fun, but also to make sure that the DM is having fun and that I I had this time where I was using Roll20 and I had set up for this little, like, mini dungeon um, mini boss fight dungeon and I forgot to move the traps I had set to the DM layer and so they were visible for everybody. Oh no. And I was so embarrassed afterwards when I realized that. But one of my players, I and everyone else I saw was going around them, like oddly, specifically around them. And one of them went, nope, this is where I'd go anyways. And set off the trap, knowing that it was a trap. And it was just that moment where it made me appreciate him as a player so much that I had made a mistake. And instead of capitalizing on it he goes no i i understand the purpose of this i would have gone here i'm gonna do it anyways and had fun with it he took the consequences of what would have been a surprise and just had a blast with it yeah this is where metagaming is very much a cripple to to the entire experience that's why you hear people come why you hear a lot of dm saying that's metagaming is because it is breaking the illusion of this grand story. Yeah. And I mean, metagaming can be anything from, and this is what I, yes, Hunter, I love you. Sorry. I, I don't know if you can hear him. <laughs> uh, I can hear him. I can okay. hear him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this is one Just... that I, I've been guilty of myself. Was I was doing a one shot, and I, I am, so the DM had we were facing a beholder, and the beholder was specifically was targeting me with the same ray over and over again, and I was like, "That's not how beholders work," and so I called him on it because I was just irritated at that point. And so then he explained to me the reason why is because it was just easier than rolling random. This way he could keep track because once they use it, they can't use it again that turn. And he found it easier to control which one they did instead of always doing random. And yeah. I was like, oh, I completely understand. And so I backed down and everything, but I felt so bad because it's like, why am I doing that? Like, just have fun with it. And that was metagaming. And it was because I was using my knowledge of what this is. And this one that I've seen, and it's probably the biggest one, the biggest thing I see, um, or the most common one, is people who play D&D, someone will be, like, they'll have something prepared for this creature, and it it might be obvious to the players what it is, but their PCs wouldn't know. Yeah. But because they know, then they're like, oh, this is what we need to do, when they wouldn't know. Yeah, 
it's this is where it, it becomes tougher, especially D&D veterans, to separate the two, separate uh, being a DM and being a player. Because as a DM, yeah, you need to know how this monster works forward, sideways, backwards, upside down, how to implement every single strategy they can do. And this is where also, uh, this is where I think I, I feel guilty as a DM sometimes. It's just like, okay, I'm going to have this creature attack this person because it's like, one, I know the creature would actually attack them. And two, I know that they are weak to this. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I was like, when I was in the D&D prep, why I did this is so that way they could try to overcome this this kind of flaw. Yeah. Well, but I was like, yeah, it's just, I feel like I'm like, oh, I, I know I'm going to hurt them. I know I'm going to hurt them. I apologize. I'm going to hurt them. <laughs> and honestly, that's part of being a DM is you're supposed to, as a DM, set up things that are targeted specifically to these people. Oh, yeah. No. And this is going to be the other thing I say is okay to do as a DM. Do not be afraid to let a TPK happen. Yeah. Because to be honest, okay, <clears throat> so the group that I'm running the campaign with, and this is going to be my tip for any DM out there. If you're considering doing a campaign with a group, start off with a one-shot. Because a one-shot will give you a glimpse into how that campaign is going to be run. If everybody's having fun, if everybody's having a good time, even when the going gets tough, you got yourself an amazing group. If it's full of bickering, full of fighting, maybe try to find out who's causing it, then try to find other ways to address it. But so I was doing the one shot with this group. I, they were, because again, Cody, you've done this one, done my one shot with this, where it is basically the dragon cult lair. They're fighting this dragon. And for me, I have some like little props that I have like on the tabletop for it. Like I, I had little pillars. I was like, okay, that could make it a little bit more decorative. That could give them cover. They came up with the ideas like, no, we got to take out those pillars. We're going to collapse this cavern on top of them. Yep. I was like, oh no, oh no. <laughs> and so they were so focused on Knocking down the pillars, they didn't even really fight the dragon monster, and he was able to escape while they had this cavern collapse on top of them. Man. They were busting up the entire time. <laughs> they were having an amazing time, and I'm like, oh no, I just killed all my players! <laughs> yeah. But, you gotta let your players make stupid mistakes and players like and coming from a player don't be afraid to look stupid that is the best part with doing dungeons and dragons and being a pc yeah yep i agree all right um, i'm going to go back to do something that you shouldn't do as a dm real quick okay <laughs> so this is a personal story of mine i as so the first time I ever played a bard character, he was not a typical bard by any means. I, but my goodness, I'm talking. It's like, I want to talk to you, dad. He is so adorable. <laughs> I love you, bud. I love you. I love you too, buddy. <laughs> I, but he, so this bard, I am, he actually ended up getting killed. And it was uh, like it was just the situation where he got downed, and the DMPC was basically Groot 
and oh, okay. happened to be next to my character after he goes down. And so the when it was his turn, it was like uh, one of the things that he does for his attack is he picks up boulders and throws it. Mm-hmm. Instead of grabbing a boulder, he had him grab my dead body, like my unconscious body, and throw it, which killed my character. Oh dang! There was no need for that. Like there wasn't a roll that he just perception rolled bad or anything like that. It was just he killed it. Uh, he had, I mean, there was a rod of resurrection that he implemented in the game, so he brought the character back right away. But for me, that that PC was dead, and I actually retired him and brought in a new one after that. Um, it was just that that's just something I don't recommend. I I didn't feel like it was a good death. I didn't feel like it was justified. Yeah, when it comes to player deaths, it's it you need to honor the character. That's. Now let me tell you a story of a good death. All right. <laughs> so I was testing out a custom class for a certain somebody that I will not name. <laughs> I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> uh, it was so great. It was that one shot that you're talking yeah. about. And mm-hmm. I was doing a Dragon Rider class that I, uh, Jason had come up with. And so I am. There was a bunch of these different mages, or like cultists rather, throughout mm-hmm. the underground areas talking about that they took down the pillars. Well, me and my dragon, which was more of like a ranger's pet, was taking him, the actual like dragon creature on ourselves. And we fought it. We fought it tooth and nail, and it was right to the point where either one or the other of us was going to go down. And the others were all taking care of the rest of the group, and it was just 1v1, basically. Yep. And we lost. And it was such an earned death. Where I gambled on something with the dragon, tried to put the dragon to sleep, and I just, the DC was too low, and it passed it. And it just, it didn't work out. But at the end of it, I just came away going, man he died but that was such a great way to die like i literally died to save the world right here and it was so rewarding even having the pc death yeah (laughs) i still still have that recorded man (laughs) that's awesome we should play that at some point oh yeah definitely okay so i have to tell you this because this was super cute so hunter is looking at me talking and he just has this Cheerio sitting on the middle of his tongue as he's going, ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just hilarious. Uh, okay, keep going. Uh, yeah, so now what... So one of the other things I think makes a good player in D&D is that they aren't selfish, so to speak. Yeah. Because, again, you're in a party filled with at least three to four other people. At minimum. Uh, and so it's tough because, again, all you guys come up with the backstories and a DM is trying to incorporate them all. And you need to let the others play their character. Yes. And I was going to say, and it can be tough. It can be. Um, everyone wants to think that they're the hero of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you're not. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're the support character just there to help the person who's going through whatever they're going through i and so yeah 
That's it. Actually, this is one of the, I think this was one of the coolest things you did with your campaign with, uh, with our group and Matt's group. Because what Cody did was he basically split the group because we had what, ugh, eight people. There ended up being eight people, yeah. Eight people. So he split the party into two groups of four, yep. basically. And one person didn't join, so it was seven. Yeah. So, but within that, and Matt's group was very much more of the dungeon delvers, whereas the group I was a part of, we were much more of the role players. We're very much the kind of try to figure things out, not through combat necessarily. So when we actually remet back up, it was cool to do the fighting concept. And I think, again, in my in my little heart, I hope that I showed Matt how fun it could be to role play. Where we both became like supporting characters to each other. Yeah. In th- in that one scene where we were sitting in the in the court, they were trying to cast a spell onto Matt. I caught on because my character does not trust this woman to say to, to any degree. I was so close with that. You were so dang close. And I'm like, Nope. <laughs> Counterspell. <laughs> oh man. So I have to tell the story about the full story of that now. Go for it. Cause I, I'm very proud of this. I spent literally two weeks planning these two events. I, but Essentially, the two groups, their entire goal was to make it to this neighboring country and convince them that their country they're from wants peace, that they're not trying to prepare for war against this country. Um, and so they get there and they get into the council, and they had already found that some of them were more trustworthy than others. Well, one of the people in the council tried to cast a spell, uh, basically a control spell, um, on on Matt's character, who was one of the lead guard, like, essentially, it's a... I think, I was gonna say, wasn't he, like, the knight in shining armor kind of yeah. character? So, kind of. So, he was an eldritch knight, but it was the special forces, essentially. He was part mm-hmm. of the special forces. is earning his way into there. And... So and everyone like he was there because he was a representation of the military saying we are not here to fight you. Her entire goal was to control him and have him attack. And he would have failed it. He was about to he would have failed that save. Yeah, I know he would have. That's for me I'm just like I do not trust a single thing. I am keeping an eye on her like I <laughs> So, and that's where it was very much, it felt like me and Matt, we were both our characters. We were working together as a team. And it was something that I think made the experience on your end enjoyable and made our end memorable. Yeah. That entire thing was just so great. (laughs) It was such a powerful closing to that section of the story. And it can be reopened any time, whenever I actually have time. (laughs) But... And it's one that, because it left off that way, where you guys did, you guys both had amazing roleplay throughout all of it. And that was something that I loved as your characters. Each person took something away from it. This entire scene was literally to lay the groundwork for the rest of the campaign. Um, and it did. And everyone took something away from it. Everyone had fun. Some of the characters latched onto a random member of the council that they have to meet. 
Like that is literally afterwards they're like, I have to meet this person. And and each one was to somebody different. Yours was very obvious. Yep. <laughs> okay. I have I, I know it's been like two years, two years since then. Did you see that coming? I did not. Like, dude, I that came out of left field for me. I know you had it planned, but I was so surprised by it. Cause in my mind's eye, I was like, Yeah, no, my my brother was dead. Yeah. Like it just it came out of nowhere. Cause and actually what was going through my mind as the character when the one scene you referenced came up, I was yeah. like, I thought that was her trying to screw with me. <laughs> like uh. that was how and then when that came up, I'm like, oh, crap. That was like the biggest mic drop moment I think you've ever done. <laughs> I was so proud of that. Do you want to tell that story? Yeah, I'll tell that story. Sorry, we don't have to. I just. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It's a good story. This is where I'm just like, pardon me. It's just like, we need a link to this too. We need a, I need a, I think I need to go through like all the campaign that we did the, that time. Yeah. And rewatch them and see about editing them and uploading them. That would be really cool. Because again, I do have them uploaded onto one of my channels, so I think I need to kind of, at this point, ask everybody if they're okay, and then we can post it somewhere else. But anyway, so my character's main backstory was he was a, he's a Hexblade warlock with a noble lineage. Uh, He was a victim of a, basically a coup. His family was killed. He believed he was the sole surviving member, so he went into kind of exile and grew up uh, kind of he grew up like as an urchin but as a noble still um over the time he was able to uncover some mystery some hints on who was behind the attack on his family and it was to the point where actually the family that did attack him is currently living in his house in his childhood home as he's going through and discovering more and more he sees one of the residents of the house. I want to say it was the Lord of the house out in the town and with a child with them. And the child's name had was the same name as my character. So in my character's eye, it was like this, witch, quite literally is basically giving me the middle finger. She is desecrating my memory. So I was prepared to confront her. I was like, I'm going to dish out the best kind of justice I can. Uh, She tried to do this. She tried to basically force control one of my friends. She destroyed my family. There is no way I can, I can forgive her. Like justice is coming. So after that entire scene where we, and bring the end of this camp, this part of the campaign, uh, my character is also a cow star. Part of his backstory is late at night, him and his brother would have a telepathic connection and they would seriously just talk through telepathic link. And my brother, who I thought was dead, formed a telepathic link and says, good to see you, brother. Glad you're alive. And I was like, what? 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 (laughs) And then leaves with the bad guys. And then, yeah, continues to leave with the bad guys. So now... Now that's been like two years. And even in that moment, I was just like, oh my God, what, what does this mean? What does this mean? <laughs> and so in the character, I'm just like, ah, oh, crap. Okay. I can't kill them. I have to rescue my brother now. I have to try to convince him to return to, to the good guys. So to speak, I have to try to redeem him or something. It was something along those lines. Yep. Cause you met with, I'm um, Helm. 
Yeah. He was, I believe so. And he told you, like, one of the things he told you is not all that are e- like, not all that are on their side are evil. Some can tier. be redeemed. Tear. Thank you. Tear. It was tear. Yep. Not all are evil. Some can be redeemed. And I just like, time to redeem my brother. That That's <laughs> now going to be the mantra that he goes for if we continue with the campaign. Yeah. But it was just, it was so well crafted, so well done. And I think me as a player did a great job of one, not metagaming. Yeah. And and just really being in that moment uh, to where when that mic drop moment happened, I was surprised as myself and as the character. It was just so amazing. The reason why I'm so impressed that you didn't get it is because you were the note taker. Yeah, I took notes. <laughs> that solved all of my other things. My entire <laughs> master plan you already have presented. <laughs> but you didn't get this <laughs> i know i know so and i think that honestly i think that speaks to me as a person i will figure everything out but when it comes to something personal and detrimental it will go over my head <laughs> <laughs> oh so funny i had but, so much fun messing with everyone in that that last like because i had that to you then i had to one of the characters i am matt's wife kaylin i am to her character, I revealed the entire, like, I dangled the fruit for everything that she wants to know. Her entire character is trying to find out what happened to her parents, and I dangled the fruit right in front of her. And then the lady who did that was evil and left. And she's like, what? Can I even trust this? And just, like, everyone had their own little thing. I mean, Ash, with her story and everything, where I had all that pulling her somewhere, and just everyone has their own little pieces. Oh, uh, so much fun. Like, this is where it's like, I do want to continue it. But again, I know you're busy, but again, life, life just happens. So, yeah. That if was... we're eventually able to continue it, we will definitely post it here. On yes. <laughs> but, so, recap, like, let's kind of do lightning round. Yeah, what are yeah. some things that a good player will do? I'm good players is someone that, like I said, is just going to really help everyone to have fun the players the dm their entire goal is just to make everything as enjoyable as they can and that changes for every group uh, this is something that i thought of earlier that i wanted to bring back up not every group is like ours where we like mm-hmm. the story some groups want just a dungeon dove they just literally yeah. it's just a dungeon and metagaming in those situations are okay because the entire point is they're going to throw these crazy things at you and test your knowledge on it. Mm-hmm. That's your group? Do it. And that's yeah. the thing. is Find your group. Find what works for you guys. And just do it. Just have fun with each other. And have the entire goal of trying to just have fun. Exactly. At the end of the day, the main goal is for everybody to have fun. It is a game, and, and actually on the back of the Dungeons Master's Guide, it basically says that these rules are changeable so that because it's all about creating a fun experience. Yeah. And that is very much something that needs to be taken to heart in every DM and in every player. So another good thing that players do is not only do they take notes, but they pay attention. Yeah. Especially when they're on deck for combat. And they're a spellcaster. <laughs> okay, that is the most annoying. 
<laughs> Pay attention, guys. Pay attention. Because this is where there's the entire time, entire meme of D&D. You can travel six days in a matter of five minutes, but a three-minute round of combat takes three hours. <laughs> really though (laughs) it really does seriously i was i'm always surprised how long combat takes which is why it's just like if you're on deck be like think about it pay attention to the combat pay attention to the ebb and flow and be ready that's it and yes i i am guilty of being on my phone while combat is happening (laughs) i am as well we all are we're not all of us are perfect (laughs) yo but at least that they're saying you're on deck that's when you gotta pay attention yeah I agree with that. All right. Recap. What makes a good DM? Makes a good DM? DM is planned, prepared, but is ready to improvise. Yeah. I agree with that. I think that's the best way to sum it up. They plan, they're prepared, and they're ready to improvise. Improvisation as a DM is going to be the linchpin on what makes it seem like you planned everything. (laughs) Yeah my butt it's okay it's okay he's tired i, I can tell i was it is late. Like... <laughs> it is well i think that's a good place to wrap it all up yeah i think so too and we can always we we could share dnd stories for days like that that's always the funnest part it is so all right i think it's a good place to put a bookmark in everything and come back to it next time all right we will catch you guys next time tune in next week Bye. Bye.